Super powerful worship today. We're grateful that God is here and doing a work in all of us. And uh, hopefully you'll get something out of today's message. Hopefully you will be encouraged, convicted, challenged at some point, maybe to open up in a way that you haven't opened up uh, before in church. But here's what I want to do. I want to start with the Word of God. So if you're able to stand, what we do at our church is we believe the Word of God is powerful. It's life transformational. If you use it and put it in your life, it has the ability to radically change you from where you used to be to something that God wants you to be, if that makes sense today. So we're going to start with Psalm 146. We're going to use this. Hopefully, this will be a moment of worship as we continue to read this word from Psalm 146. It says, praise the Lord. Let my whole being praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with all my life. I will sing praises to my God as long as I live. Praise the Lord. Are you worthy and willing to praise the Lord with his word? This is one of the ways that we can magnify God's heart is praise him with his word. We get to do that on a day-to-day -day basis. So as we start Psalm 146, I hope that you're praising him right now. Now, we are doing this as a church. We do it with his word. We do it in prayer. We do it in song. We've got wonderful worshipers, but we want to do it with everything that we are. So will you just open up your heart right now, and let's pray boldly. We started teams back in the beginning of the year, and this is team salvation. That's a first for salvation. And then we got team revelation in the middle here. And this is my spot over here, Team Transformation over here. And what we did at the beginning of the year, if you're new, is we started asking for people to pray that our salvation experience will grow, that people will receive a revelation from God, and that people will start not, not only experiencing transformation, but live it out and share that with other people. So let's pray boldly that God will start and continue to do work in all of us through prayer and seeking God's will. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we come boldly to the throne of God and pray that in this moment of prayer, we worship you. That you will bring a level of salvation experience that will tra radically transform us because you have revealed your heart to us, Father. Speak today, Lord. Allow us to worship and unlock things that are holding us back. Let us come off the walls and come into the center of your dance floor so that we can celebrate you today. Father, we can praise you with your word, we can sing songs to you, and we can pray boldly to you for you to work mightily today and every day that we seek you first. So, Father, we come to you as a church hungry and excited and wanting to see you do something today. And we say this in the name that rises above all other names, and every knee shall bow to him. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Good coffee today. <laughs> we are doing a series called Why I Believe. And the challenge for you and I is to understand why do we believe in Jesus? Why do we believe in hell? Why do we believe in the adoption and being the sonship covenant? Why do we believe in suffering? Last week on Mother's Day, we had everybody weeping on this Mother's Day uh, message. If you missed it, there was a great story told, a missionary story that was really powerful. And today we're going to continue with why we believe in worship. The purpose of this series is to give us new believers. I was going to say middle believers, but that doesn't make any sense. 
those, those people in the middle and then those that have been long-time uh, Christians, some, some information, some details, some understanding on why we believe things that we believe in church. A lot of times we sit in church for years and nobody really explains things like hell and the, 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 the adoption and the sonship covenant that's in there. And so we want to make sure you have some of that information so that you can grow as a, as a Christian. Now, every week we do a memory verse, and today's memory verse is the same that it's been the last five weeks, and it comes with Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's the definition of faith. And if you need to know why you believe in Jesus, you need to expand your faith. That's the first thing. You come before God, you open up your heart, and use this. I call it the God muscle. You need to expand the God muscle. And here's the amplified version of Hebrews 11.1, 1, which challenges us to grow in our faith. Now, faith is the assurance, and the Amplified says, the title deed, this confirmation of things hopeful, these divinely guaranteed things, things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical needs. By the physical senses, sorry. In this place, have you ever been in your life where you've said, wow, that was a miracle? Only God can do that. That's when our physical senses can't comprehend what God is doing. And no man or no woman on earth says, that can't be of man, that must be of God. And that's what we're talking about, physical senses. That we need to build this God muscle so that you can claim more and more God is at work and building my faith. And less and less that man is doing these things. A good doctor realizes all he does is set the, the wound and God does all the healing. And that's what we want to see what God is doing. And, and that's how we want to live our life, a faithful life of God. So here's some questions hopefully we will answer here today. Um, as you're sitting out there, hungry for the word of God, I hope. Hungry for God to speak boldly into your life. Why do I believe in worship? Why do people dance around? We know why people dance around for football teams or baseball teams or basketball teams or hockey teams or dance teams or cheer teams, whatever we do. There's a lot of crazy things that we do outside of life. But why do we do that in church? Why would people raise their hand? Why would people come first service or somebody laying on the carpet just on their face worshiping God? Why would we do that? Why not just sit in our seat and just put a few bucks in the offering and go on into the toppers line and enjoy the day? Because God has done something. So that's a question. Why do we believe in worship? What is worship? Let's have an understanding of what the word of worship is. And what's the purpose for Christians? If you call yourself a Christian, if you say, I believe in God and I put Jesus first and every knee is going to bow to that, why do we worship? What's the purpose of worship for Christians? Now, I've got two images today. One's kind of a silly image, but I think it'll make sense for you. Uh, and then another one is the image that we're going to use for the rest uh, of the sermon. But um, last week, uh, we did this powerful story, and we were singing this song uh, in the middle of the service last week, and it was called Dancing with My Father God. And if you've heard it, it's an oldie but goodie. And my buddy Randy here is one of my mentors. He's a pastor here. He teaches a lot on Wednesdays and a couple Sundays a year, and he's got a lovely wife that's way better than him in everything that he does. But he came up to me, and he was talking about this, this dancing with my father, God. And he said, that's what worship was. He goes, I was out there dancing, and God just gave me a revelation, which we've been praying for in this section, that God was there, and he was dancing, and there was a few people on the dance floor boogieing with God, right? But then he looked up, and there was a lot of people on the side not engaging. And he, the father's heart was kind of broken, and he wanted to pull them in. 
And it reminded me of a vision. Go back to your junior high awkward days. If you're in junior high, sorry, I know one of my daughters is here. It's uh, those awkward days. So it's not you. You're not awkward. And it's good. <laughs> but go back to your junior high awkward days and remember the first dance that you went to. And if you get to the first dance, remember this day? The one guy gets brave enough to go up and ask any girl, just the first one he bumps into, will you dance? And she says, yes. And look at all the other girls. If you see their picture, they're like, why'd they choose her? Why is he dancing with her? I'm way better. And you can see the girls. And, and, but this is what Randy was talking about. Everybody else is watching these two or the few people dance. And everybody else wants to get involved or they don't understand it. And so they stay on the outside. And if you're like a junior high boy, you don't know what to do, so you're trying to look cool, hoping the girls will think you're cute. Come on, girls, ask me, I'll get out there and dance, right? But here's the problem. Most of us live on the outside. And today we're going to ask you to jump in and start worshiping. Don't let that person next to you uh, uh, resist you from worshiping God the correct way. That's why we worship. And you know what? We have amazing musicians. We got great singers. We got great prayer people. We've got great musicians. But the truth is, God wants to bring us into a full concept of worship. And that's why we want to go through this today. So what is worship? Let me give you the, the, dec the dictionary definition. And it says this. To worship is to show reverence or adoration for a deity. That's God. Or something that represents a deity. So we're trying to figure this out. And that's what worship is. If you don't put Jesus in there, they just call it a deity. A lot of times we see people worship certain things that aren't God. But we know that we're to worship God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. People worship all kinds of things. I've got a list up here of things that we worship that the Bible calls out. The first thing that they worship is demons. Revelation 9.20 talks about demons. And how that man wants to worship demons. And in 921, it talks about sexual carnage and all the things that we worship. And, and that idolatry is something that we, we struggle with and we worship. In Exodus 3, uh, 32, 7 and 8, it talks about uh, uh, worshiping carvings or, or, or statues. And this was the place where Moses comes down from the mountain and there's a calf that's been made. And they're jumping around and dancing like a rave to this calf. And they're worshiping this calf. Because man wants to worship anything, and the calf seemed to make sense, so they did it. In Deuteronomy 17, you see that the, the Israelites walk away, and some start worshiping the sun, the moon, and the stars. Because when we are lost, we start seeking things that we think are great, like a sun, a star, or a moon. But if you know the one and true God, you know that he breathed those out. Why would you worship something that's secondary instead of the primary focus, which is God? In Daniel chapter 3, verse 5, you see that we are challenged to worship man, a king. We are asked to worship a guy or a leader of some sort. But we know that we are to worship the one and true God. In Philippians, Paul writes about man worshiping themselves. Do you know how many self-centered people are in this room? I know one for sure. Thanks, John. Getting scared, I might be the only one in here that's self-centered. 
but we worship our own carnal nature. We believe in ourselves. And there's this movement called the, this spiritual movement in this world that's kind of a fake movement that says that I'm self-actualized, that I'm better and I've got God-like characteristics and I can be a God and I can rise above everybody else and achieve super powerful things. But that's not what God wants. God wants to press into him and give him the glory and not let man take over. We are to worship the one and true God. Romans, uh, John 17, you see Jesus start preaching to God, saying, God, I know you're the one true God. I know you're going to be here one day again and bring us back to that place of worship. So today what I want to do is I want to use an image today, and it's a lock. And it's got a little heart, and I took a picture of it so you could see. This is our image. We've been teaching with images for the last few weeks. A couple of the images were stories, but here's what we want to do. This is our worship. And without a key, it's going to stay locked. This is your heart. And today, hopefully by the end of the message, you'll have something that will help you unlock your heart so that you can experience true worship. Unlocking a lock like this takes some sort of action. If it's, this is a master lock, by the way, so you can't even shoot through it. So if I threw it on the ground, it should probably break if I did that, so I wouldn't do that. It takes some action to unlock this lock. It takes a key, and you open it up, and it unlocks. Worship is the same way. It takes some sort of action. Our worship should have the action of a humble, reverent approach before God. Not jumping up and saying, look at me, Lord, but humbly coming before God and saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you to be a part of my life. Lord, I want to seek you for all that you are, and I want to give that back to you. When we look at this psalm, we use this psalm because this psalm really speaks loudly about how we should worship. If we go back to Psalm 146 and go back to the beginning, it says, Praise the Lord. Let my whole being praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with all of my life. I will sing praises to my God as long as I live. And if you are a worshiper, you're ready to start singing now. You're like, okay, get off the stage and let's start worshiping. That's what we want to do, right? This, this psalm kind of tells us what we should do and where we shouldn't go. And here's what it says in the second part. It says, don't trust leaders. Yeah, that's what it says. That means don't trust leaders at work, leaders at home. Don't trust this guy. You need to check your leader and make sure that he's biblical. If I or anybody else that you go to on a regular basis starts preaching anything out of the word of God, run. Get out. Go somewhere else, find a place where they open up the word of God. Don't trust leaders, even myself. I have to ask you to check me to make sure that I'm right and worthy of, of being your pastor. It says, don't trust any human beings. Everybody look to the left. Then look to the right. I'm dyslexic, so I did the backwards. But Those are human beings if you haven't seen one before. It says, don't trust them. Because they're not one to worship. It says their breath will leave them. They'll go back into the ground. And on that very same day, their plans will die. Humans will tell us we should worship stars. We should worship mediums. We should worship money. We should worship relationships. We should worship all kinds of things that is anti-God, but not worship the one and true God. And that's what God is fighting against. He's saying, listen, folks, everybody's worshiping everything wrong. And I want you to look to me, the one and true God, to speak deep into our lives so that we can give that back. My buddy Randy was talking, and, and he said it's not his quote. It's a God quote from, from others. But he's been in ministry for several years, and he was talking to me and Bones once. And he said, worship is what we give back to God. 
Worship is what we give back to God. God gives us all kinds of things. Raise your hand if you've ever received anything from God at all. Everybody look around. There's a couple with two hands. I saw that. Lot of receiving. But does God get the same? This thing called worship is what we give back to God. And that's why we stand around because we don't know if it's appropriate. We don't know if it's right. Does he want what I have? And so what do we do? We stand in the junior high dance place waiting for someone to tell us. And then someone walks up and grabs you. You're like, eh, uh, maybe the next song. This one doesn't have my beat. And then we sit and we never move into that place of true, holy worship to God. The purpose of worship is that, to give back our time, our talents, our possessions, our money. Whatever we have to give, we should give to him. If we truly knew God, we would live on nine, uh, 1% and give 99 away. If we truly knew him. And many don't, but there have been a few that have lived on 10% and gave 90. Those people understand who God is and what God is and how we are to worship him. So today, what I want to do is I want to take whatever your heart is, wherever it is, and I want to find the right key that will unlock your heart. I want to look through all the keys that you have here and go through them, pull them out of your pocket. What can you give to God and what will unlock that heart so that you can truly worship God for who he truly is? If we go back to our text and read... Verse 5, here's what it says about those that worship. Here's what it says. When, we, when we're in a trusting relationship with God, here's how we worship. The person whose help is in the God of Jacob, the person whose hope rests on the Lord, their God, is truly happy. This is the CEB version. And this is telling us that when we trust in a relationship with God, when we have that hope before him, we truly understand joyfulness, happiness, rejoicing, for what God is and who God is. That's what we're trying to do when we come to church. The purpose of coming to church on a regular basis is not to hear the message and not to clap and sing songs and put tithing in. The purpose is to reconnect with God and give him back something. Because you've had a great week or if you've had a week like mine, it was miserable. And I'm just grateful to make it today. It was a tough week. But I'm still here and I'm giving back to God. God wants us to worship no matter what. And he wants to unlock our heart for worship. Yesterday was a really hard day for my wife. Her, her boss died, one of her best friends. It was a hard moment. She's been waiting to get through this. It's dragged on for weeks because of how it happened. But listen, there was a moment where a beautiful angel was singing worship songs. And me and my wife started celebrating because this man went to the Lord. And in the moment of everybody crying and tearing and wishing we had Barry back, we started worshiping because those that know him know that he is in heaven and Jesus has taken him back. And we sat crying but worshiping because we can worship in all times, good and bad, and that's what God wants us to do. When you have a relationship with God, you know the difference from most religions? The Christian relationship wants us to have, the Christian religion wants us to have a relationship. Others want us to have a workmanship type of job. Something else other than a relationship. 
The problem with a relationship, sometimes, has anybody had a selfish friend before? If they're sitting next to you, don't raise your hand. I've been that selfish friend. They just take and 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 then Christmas you might get a little $5 Starbucks card from them, right? God is saying when you're in a relationship with me, the output of that is worship. When you're in a relationship with me, the output is worshiping him and giving him all that you can. A natural relationship with God produces a powerful worship from your heart to your from your heart to his soul. He is intimately involved in your life. And he's intimately trying to draw you back into that relationship so that you understand that I can dance and sing and, and lift up my hands and praise him in the midst of the toughest moment that I've seen my wife go through in several months, if not a couple of years. She could still worship. And her worship ignited my worship. And that's because we have a relationship with Christ. And Christ deserves that and wants that from us. When Christ is involved in your life, doing things, he also wants a level of, of involvement back. And that's called worship. So where in the Bible is worship first said? Where is it at? This week we had a really robust debate about this. Jeremy Kays, uh, he teaches a lot here. Pretty smart guy. Didn't know the answer, by the way, so just so you guys know that. Not knocking him. I mean, I got it from Google, so I didn't know the answer either. But we talked about all kinds of things. Is it Cain and Abel? Is that where the first moment of worship is? Or was it Noah when that, when there was a, was a rainbow and there was some delight? Was that the first worship? The truth is the word worship was first used in Genesis 22. Now, if you know the story, great. But Genesis 22 is where uh, Abraham is taking his son Isaiah, his one and only son, up to the mountain to sacrifice him. He's heading up to the mountain and he's going to sacrifice him. And in that, he talks about worship for the first time. The word in Hebrew actually says to bow down before the Lord. That's the Hebrew word here. And here's what it says. Abraham is in this moment of testing. He's in this moment of obedience. And he's like, I guess this is what God wants me to do. So here's what he says. He says, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servant, and the boy and I will travel a little farther, and we will worship there, and then we will come back. That's what he said. But listen to this. Abraham has this mindset that if I'm obedient to God and I'm willing to put him first, that somehow, some way, even though he knows he's been told to sacrifice his son, we're going to go up and worship. I'm going to bring an offering before God, and even if he wants me to put my son on the altar and take his life, somehow, some way, that obedience is going to bring my son back with me, and we're going to be back in a few minutes. That's what worship is. That obedience is a level of worship. And a lot of times we struggle with worship because we're not obedient in our walk with Jesus. This plural word at the end, will come back, shows why Abraham is who he is to all Christian beings. He's a father of nations. He's the father of faith. In that faith, he understood somehow, some way, God is going to provide and he will resurrect my son, if need be. But we're coming back. And I'm going to worship him before this all happens. Is that your mindset in worship? 
Or is it only when the music's right and you got your perfect jam that you can do the dance? That's not what God wants. Trust me. He wants your heart to worship every time that you can, all the time, if that makes sense. To make worship a huge part of our life, we look to Jesus. Of course, we're a Christian church, we would look to Jesus. Jesus is, is the, the reason for most of our worship because of what he's done on the cross. And in that, we look to Jesus because he's trying to connect us with the relationship. The reason why our church, the church, not journey, but the church, focuses on Christ is he's the connecting point to our relationship. He's the one that brought us back to the Lord, to God, the Yahweh of, the, of, of all time. He connects us to God and left us, and left us with the Holy Spirit to continue to enhance our relationship. And here's what Jesus said as he wanted us to talk about relationship and worship. There's a woman at the well, and she's a Samaritan. And Jesus come be, comes before her and starts communicating with this woman. And she's saying, well, you worship at this mountain, we worship at this place, and there's difference. And he, Jesus says, listen, there's going to be a time that everything's going to change. And here's what he says in John 424. Yet a time is coming and has come now. The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that seek uh, that the Father seeks. The time is coming, and oh wait, folks, the time is now that the Father is seeking those that are worshiping in spirit and in truth. That was not just for the woman at the well. That is also for the church in 2017. And it will be for the church in 2018 and beyond. He wants us to realize that a time is coming. And the Father is seeking those that are worshiping. Verse 24 says, God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Today we're looking at a place on how to, why we believe in worship and what's the purpose. And here's what we understand is worship is a big part of our relationship with God. Now is the time. It doesn't say that we can worship God any way that we want. Have you ever met people that say, oh, this is how I worship God? And it's like, not really. You're supposed to do it in the way that pleases God. And here it says we can't just worship in any way. It says we must worship him in spirit and truth. That word must is an absolute. It's a very strong statement that says there's really no other way. If you want to please God, follow the must. And that must be in spirit and in truth. That's a powerful statement. And a lot of times we move away from that because we want to bring what we want to bring. That's an antichrist or an anti-God lifestyle that you want to bring before the one and the, the Almighty. God seeks true worshipers, and he identifies those, he identifies you and me as true worshipers if we are speaking in this place of spirit and truth. Verse 24 says God is spirit. He is the formation, or he is the being of spirit that is left behind, and the spirit connects us to his heart. And he says... That if God is spirit and we must be worshipers, we must connect to that. We must dwell in his spirit and we must cling to his truth. Both of those were confirmed by Jesus. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is coming. Cling to that Holy Spirit because it will bring you to that place that you will understand and live in the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. I tell you the truth. Verily, verily, I tell you. 
I tell you the truth, and many times Jesus said in the Gospels, let me tell you the truth. So we cling to Jesus because he brought the truth from the Father. And today the Holy Spirit magnifies that and reaffirms that behavior and that concept. Jesus confirms that God wants us to be in spirit and in truth, to worship. When, we caught, when, when worship is part of our life, we should kind of sit back and reflect. We should contemplate. Remember that bold series we did in Christmas? Behold. That behold series where it says we are going to earnestly contemplate God. If we truly understand who God is, we need to contemplate the majesty of God. When you worship God, you need to contemplate how big and sovereign and how amazing and, and, and the, the joy that he brings. And we also need to look to Jesus and understand the love that he brought to you and me for what he did on the cross. When we look at both of those concepts and then we look at ourselves in contrast to compare, we realize that I am less and he is more. I am, for the most part, needing of a Savior and he is my Savior. I need his goodness, but he is good all the time. And we need to dwell in that. We need to rest in that. You know this. God doesn't need your worship. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your worship. God doesn't need your weekly devotion. But we need to give back to him. To please him. He doesn't need it. It's not going to make him a better God. But it's going to make you a better son or daughter of the Most High. When you put yourself before God and you say, Lord, I'm yours. Do with me as you want. To please God, we must worship him in spirit and truth. Why? Well, here's what that psalm says. Here's the end of the psalm. This is why we, we, we worship God. 146, verse 6. God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. God, who is faithful forever who gives justice to the people who are oppressed, who gives bread to the people who are starving, the Lord who frees prisoners, the Lord who makes the blind see, the Lord who straightens up those who are bent Lord, lo, the Lord who loves the righteous, the Lord who protects the immigrants and helps the orphans and the widows, but makes the way of the wicked twist and turn. The Lord will rule forever. Zion, your God, will rule from generation to ge the next let us praise the Lord for who he is. That's why we worship God, because he is the maker of the heaven and the earth. He is the one that brings righteousness. He is the one that allows us to seek him and be a part of his plan. I've asked the band to come up today and do in the middle of the message a song. At this moment, I just want you to close your eyes for a second. I want you to contemplate how big the Father is, how amazing, how beautiful, how miraculous his love is. And then I want you to think for a moment about Jesus and what he has done and how he's loved you. I want you just to thank him and say, Lord, I want to worship you. Ask him to unlock your heart of worship. Will you all stand? We're going to sing a, a song called The Stand, and it would be appropriate that we're standing as we're singing.
Is yours and all I am, Lord. 
up the message thankful for the band that they're willing to come up and get our hearts tenderized and right with God as we contemplate and reflect the wholeness and the goodness of God we understand that he is worthy to be praised and in that relationship our job is to offer that back to him and say this is what I have it might not be much, but everything I have, I'm going to give to you. And when we do that, our relationship grows. Why do I, why do we as Christians believe in worship? When we worship God, we develop traits and qualities and characteristics of God himself. When you were in there worshiping and we could hear you singing and it sounded beautiful, you were bringing traits and characteristics of God like kindness and purity tenderness that's how God is and for that brief moment you're receiving all that God had you are receiving righteousness and understanding righteousness which means right living you were experiencing justice realizing that God works for the in those that are being uh, that, that are being in have the injustice sorry God those that are working in the injustice of this world and and, and, and the final things that we've learned the characteristics of God is this when you're worshiping him, you understand forgiveness. He forgave me. Even when I was a sinner, he still forgave me. And then when you put your head and your mind around the cross and what Jesus did, his love transcends all things. And it brings us to the foot of the cross every time we think about it. That is what we have in Christ. And that's what we contemplate in God. And that's why we believe in worship. There's a saying that says when we're worshiping God correctly, we're in that characteristic or that quality of who he is. It's like my heart is being strung by God, connected into heaven at that particular moment. And the reason why we're worshiping is we're practicing for the great, the great worship concert in the sky. Where we're going to worship for the rest of our life. You're going to take a breath and a thousand years are going to go by and you're going to go, wow. And we learn to practice this on, on earth so that it will match when we get to heaven. That's why we believe. Colossians 
says, set your minds on things above. Why? So that we can start learning to worship and have the mindset of God and live in the characteristics of who God is. Not on earthly things. These earthly things are going to deter us and distract us. But the heavenly things, that's going to connect us and string our heart for the heart of God. This is our life. What's your key? What's your key? There's all kinds of keys to worship here. And each one of these keys unlock your worship. Some people dance. I got a friend that's got a dance ministry and it's powerful. Some know how to read and read strong. My sister lets the word minister. A lot of you are great servants. My mom's a servant. There's a lot of that just obey God and do the right thing day in and day out. That's an opportunity to serve. You have an opportunity to pray, to give, to live your life for the glory of God, to share your faith. All these keys can unlock your heart so that you can truly be a worshiper of God. Don't be somebody that can't find the right key because all of them work. You've just got to do it and do it for the glory of God. And in that, God will be rewarded and blessed. There's a guy named Warren, Warren Wiersbe. And uh, my buddy Ed knows him, and uh, he wrote a book called The Identity Crisis. He's no longer around, but he talks and he writes this book about true biblical worship. And he says, true biblical worship satisfies our total personality so that we don't have to shop around for man-made substitutes. When we are looking in this world for substitutes to God, we are missing out. He wants us to come before the one and true God and open up our heart and let Jesus unlock our worship so that we can be right and whole and experience him. That's what he wants us to do. And then he says, William Templeton made this masterful definition of worship, and hopefully this will make sense to you. For worship is the submission of our nature to God. It's the quickening of, his, of conscience by his holiness. It's the nourishment of the mind with his truth. It's the purifying of imagination by his beauty. It's the opening up or unlocking the heart to his love, and it's the surrender of will to his purpose and all of this is gathered in adoration the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable and therefore the chief remedy for the self-centeredness which is our original sin and the source of sin that is what worship is that his truth ministers to our heart his will starts to take over our life his love starts to work deeply so that we can forgive and, and live in that state of forgiveness. And we gather that all together in adoration, which is the strongest thing against the original sin, which is self-centeredness. We are a self-centered country. We are a self-centered world. And God is saying, turn that all around and put your life before me. And in that, that relationship will grow and you will have a bountiful life with Jesus Christ. Amen? You guys excited today? What are the keys of worship? I want you just to think, what can I do for God? Some people work in schools and they teach, they minister. Some people work and go to school and they're loving God. Some people serve at church. Some people serve in their house. Whatever it is, put God first and let that be an act of worship. And then come to church and release your heart for God so that he can truly see who you really are. Get off the junior high dance floor and get into the center and experience him for all that he is. There's a movie, it's called uh, We Bought a Zoo. And the kids are really cute. There's one kid that's a pain in the butt. We all got one, so just deal with it. And, and, 
and they're going through this whole relationship. And finally, at the end of the movie, they said, Dad, how did you meet Mom? And he tells this story that there was 10 seconds that I took a chance. 10 seconds, I, I just gave 10 seconds where I saw this beautiful lady, and instead of just walking, I turned around and went and asked her a question. And because of that, he met his mom. That's the same that God wants. He wants you to take a chance on him. Even if you've been a Christian for years, open up your heart and say, today I'm just going to lift my fingers up for the glory of God. I'm going to stand up here. I'm going to take a chance. I've never come up be front on the stage and came up here and worship God. I'm going to take a chance today. Show him that he's worthy of your praise. And take a chance. At 10 seconds as you're walking up, nobody cares. You're the only one that's holding yourself back. Let your heart be unlocked for God. You're the one holding yourself back. God wants to unlock you so that your heart's right with God. Here's the last thing. Jesus' brother James writes this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We are going to draw near to God right now and sing a song. But before we do that, let's have one more powerful prayer. A prayer where we can have salvation and we can experience God to the fullest. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus the first act of worship is giving your life to God. And in that relationship, you will learn to expand your heart and seek God for all that he is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We ask for your soul to be here, your heart to minister to us. Holy Spirit, work in us right now. Build in us. Give us the strength. Give us that 10 seconds of courage to come up in front and worship you. And get on our hands and knees and thank you. Lift our hands for your glory. Offer our heart for the first time. If you don't know Jesus and you want to put your heart and soul into his arms and allow him to be your savior, you can say a prayer of salvation. And if that's you today, just repeat after me. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my soul and be my Lord and savior. The Bible says that you died and you rose again. Teach me how to believe that and understand that. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit right now. Teach me how to walk all the ways of my life with you, Lord.